Gina Barbieri manages dispute resolution processes at IFC's Compliance Advisor Ombudsman. She speaks with Mimi Keita of IFC's Infrastructure and Natural Resources Advisory Team about engaging with communities. We recently met in Durban, South Africa, where we were both talking a lot about issues that are close to our hearts. And I feel like we're lucky because we straight away had a common base to work from. I just would love to hear more about your backstory. I'm a mother of three. I have two daughters and a son. I was born and grew up in Guinea, but then I came to college, went to George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and got a degree in government and international politics. Then uh, worked a few years and then moved back home and started working uh, in mining first with a private company and then with IFC. I've always wanted to do humanitarian work. That was actually my dream as a child. And I actually... (laughs) managed to do that somehow. When I first met you, what resonated with me was that grassroots practical understanding of what it means for an international development organization operating in countries such as Guinea, such as South Africa. And it's a struggle that I have constantly being based at an international financial organization. When you're looking at really trying to do the right thing, and give voice to communities. And when you say that you actually are driven by humanitarian calling, the first question I think for me is, and how do you answer that calling in the arms of a bank? (laughs) I think there are different ways of helping people. My country is a mining country. So the fact that we're active in that sector and that we want to use mining for people for economic development That is the role that my team play and that I play. So I feel that through that particular channel, I'm able to help people uplift themselves. People like us who have local knowledge, but also know how to work within these organizations, I think that we can definitely make a difference because we know both worlds. What I'm hearing you say is you're offering the bridge between the realities on the ground and an international organization wanting to come in and develop and address some economic and social challenges. Exactly. Absolutely. And I feel like I'm a a little bit of a glue, if you want to call it that. How about you, Gina? I'd be curious to know how you became an ombudsman. What brought you to IFC? I'm from South Africa, born and raised. I studied law and I joined the Community Law Center, which was the first paralegal advice center in apartheid South Africa. I started working for a human rights firm in the Western Cape in the mid-90s. Most of my clients were farm workers working on the big wine farms. One of my first clients was a farm worker who had been unlawfully arrested by the South African police, Mm. thrown in jail without being charged, and was released three months later, returned to his employer to retrieve belongings that he had left on the farm, and he was shot by the farmer. So white farmer, black employee, very racially charged. We sued the South African police services. We sued the farmer, and we actually won the case. For me, that was such an enormous victory. But my client was really left feeling like the story was unfinished because he was never given an opportunity to obtain a deeper understanding about why he had been shot. 
And he started asking questions about whether he would have a conversation with the farmer so that he could get a better understanding so that when he returned to his community, he could hold his head up high and have some dignity. And I was absolutely taken aback because (laughs) in the law, you don't sue for a conversation and in the law, you don't sue for an apology. And it started my questioning around justice and the law. And is there a bigger toolbox out there that I needed to become aware of? And so fortunately, my mentor at the time was doing a lot of work in mediation, and he suggested I needed to go and be trained as a mediator. So that started my journey into the space of trying to bring people in conflict together, rather than resorting to power and a power dynamic, finding a way to use dialogue and conversation to address the situation, giving rise to the conflict. It's very interesting to hear, you know, looking at the psychological aspects of the work and not just relying on the law to make amends, but really how you can get people to dialogue and to heal. So how about your personal life? Do you mediate (laughs) in your personal (laughs) life a lot? (laughs) I have two children, and what's really fascinating for me is my son, who's 15, who's going through the normal ups and downs of a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I've started writing down some of the conversations I'm having with him because I am having to pull on every problem-solving, conflict resolution (laughs) fiber of my being (laughs) in navigating a positive way of engagement. That's what you do in conflict resolution. You look at ways of changing conversations and getting a common focus on the problem, not the person. That's actually an interesting way of looking at parenting. That's a good tip. I'm actually going to try that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have the extreme privilege of working with communities, indigenous communities across the globe Mm -hmm. that are often in a state of crisis. And I will often find a way, if it's possible, to bring my children into that space, whether it's on FaceTime or Skype. You know, now with technology, the ability to have a quick call with your kids. You're about to start a community meeting with 500 people Mm -hmm. waiting for you under a mango tree. And you can quickly, you know, Skype your kids in and say, this is where I am. Ah. And this is why it makes sense. And I know they're old enough now to be able to engage with that. But I I find that helpful for me, bringing them into that story. I'm so happy about all the learning from you because I usually tell them what I do, but I've never thought about giving them the opportunity of seeing it, even if it's through a screen. I think that's also a good tip. Another challenge for me is being a woman in these contexts. How does a woman who's trying to find voice in anything, in life, in development, operate in systems of patriarchy where they're told, well, it's not the women who speak on our behalf. And what do we do about that? The more of us that are able to have the conversation and raise awareness on moving from the paternal we know best to we need to understand how to get the information from you as the local community, then it's really something I think that we can all do better at. So I'm excited about being on more platforms with you where we get to share (laughs) some tools because, you know, the tools that you're using in that regard, they're really useful. Thank you, Mimi. That was wonderful to spend a little bit more time getting to know you. Thank you as well, Gina. This was great.